One time I got so mad at God, and He has honored my request. I was preaching in Bastrop, Louisiana. In the middle of my preaching, I would never say this. No, not a million years. I was preaching, and I was preaching, and I was preaching loud and hard. I tell you, my God, I mean, it was a Holy Ghost night. And man, I kept walking. It was four, there was two couples in, on the front seat of all places. And I'm just walking like this. Oh, God. And as I walked like I would never do this. Not in a million years. I just stopped. I mean, preaching. God fooled me. He made it come out of my mouth before my mind could hear what I said. I said, you lady, you committing adultery with that man right there. My God, the pastor jumped up and said, oh, let's pray here. Let's pray. Let's pray here. I stopped. And everybody looked at me. Now, all I could think of, rapture, get me out of here. Now. Come on. But I knew the voice of God. She jumped to her feet. I didn't know. And her husband sitting with her. I don't know if he knew or not. Then the, the man that I pointed to, he jumps to his feet. All four of them looking at me. And the pastor back there done forgot tongues. I thought, son, he done went into Indian dialects. He, I, this is bad. I thought, that's it, it's over. No, nobody said nothing. You know, it's, it, 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 I guess five seconds, maybe. But it seemed like five hours. And I just looked. There was much fear and trembling. I almost said, I didn't say that. God said that. That ain't my fault. And I don't believe a word he said. That's what I wanted to say. I did whoa, lay this on God. Don't lay this on Jesse. And that lady said, it's true. And then the man said, yeah, we've been wife swapping for three years. So they knelt down, Bastrop, Louisiana, gave their life to God. Oh, it was a great time. Cause revival. Oh, the next night you couldn't get anybody. I mean, I mean, you had so many people, could, but nobody sat on that front row. <laughs> Stay away from that front row. That's too dangerous. But they're standing everywhere. Now, let me tell you what Jesse did. I went all over the place. My God, this man, here's the voice of God. This man's got boldness of such a great. Woo! You know, my Lord. I mean, I must have got 20 invitations. But you say, was you proud? No, no, I got to the hotel. I said, God, come here. Come here, God. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. Never. I almost had a heart attack when you did that. I mean, I mean, I mean, here I am telling God, like, who do I think I am? I said, what's the matter with you? He said, they repented. I said, if you want to talk about that stuff, you tell them. Leave me out of this situation. <laughs> let me say this. I think there's a person here who has committed adultery. Don't let me stick my finger in somebody's face and call them an adulterer. I mean, I got mad at God. I was in that hotel. Don't ever do. I said, when I heard that come out, I mean, I thought my heart stopped. I got pain in my chest. I'm like, oh. But the Lord didn't even worry about that. He said, they repented. Jesse, you're growing. I said, I don't want to grow like this. <laughs> Let me tell you what he was telling me. You have been to the holies of holies. You've gone beyond John's baptism into a revelation of God. Whatever I do is fine. And don't you ever correct me again. I said, you got to understand us, Lord. We just little bitty people down here. You understand? <laughs> I said, listen. I, I said, 
Don't you ever correct me again. I thought that was him for a minute. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And you know what? For quite a few years, quite a few years, a lot of powerful things, I would say, come on, God. He said, no, no, you can't handle that. I said, no, no. He said, no, you remember when you said that? I said, no, 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 no. I went beyond that. Really? He said, if you're going to walk like I walk and talk like I talk, you got to live dangerously, son. You got to live dangerously. Christianity's always had to live dangerously. One time I was invited to go to the church. Let me cut to the story real quick. And this very good preacher, if I mentioned his name, Mark, you would know him. I mean, he's got a big church and he's blasted. And he, he said, Jesse, you need to go preach at this church. And you know, very seldom I ever go do that because somebody asked me to do it. But I've always honored this man because he's such a fine man. I, just a blessing sent from God. And I noticed he had a little smirk on his face, kind of like he, 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 like that, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and I, I didn't say nothing about it. I just thought, what do I? He said, Jesse, you need to go preach at this church. And without praying about it, like the big fool that I was, I called, the man told me to call him, so I called him, and he said, I want you to come. And it was that Sunday. I said, okay, I'll be there. Ladies and gentlemen, I should have prayed about that, but I did it because this Holy Ghost, power-packed, punching, kicking preacher who I esteem highly in the faith told me, you need to go there with a little smirk on his face. When the man picked me up at the airport, the pastor of this church that I'm going to, I've never met him before. He's never, well, he's seen me on television, but I, I've never seen him. He, he said, hello, I'm such and such. I said, I'm such and such. He said, we get in the car, we drive it. We're not out of the DFW airport until you know it's close to Dallas. I had to fly in the DFW as far as I'll go because there are a lot of towns around Dallas. To make a long story short, hallelujah, all slipped up there, God. Anyway, praise the Lord. I get in that car and I look at the man. I said, I'm so glad that I, uh, the Lord allowed us to come. He said, I'll tell you what, I want you to beat these people. I hate these people. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I'm going, good boy. He said, I hate them, and they hate me. I hate every one of them. I want, I want you to, I want you to beat them, beat them, beat them. Now, I'm not exaggerating. I'm going, whoa, God. He said, I hate them all. And he even cussed a little bit. He said, them blankety blanks, I hate them all. I thought, oh, Jesus, what am I doing? Then I thought of that preacher that told me to go, eh, 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 that little smirk. I said, oh, God. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. I was praying. Oh, Jesus. I was praying. Get me out. Translate me. Move me, God. Get me out. Get me out. Get me out. And God made this chapter. This is where I got this, this, this message. I said, get me out. When I got to the church, God is my witness. There were two deacons fighting in the parking lot. Bam! Bam! They were punching each other. I said, he said, that's them two blankety-blank deacons. I hate them blankety-blanks. I wish they'd leave my church. Now he's screaming this. I'm going, what happened? There's a woman trying to drag a pew out the church. She said, I, I am not exaggerating. She said, I, pray, I paid for this pew. My name's on this pew. I'm taking it home. Now the woman live in a mobile home. How you going to put a pew inside of a mobile home? I am not exaggerating. That is a truth. I'm looking at this. I said, God, we have made a mistake. He said, yes, we did not make a mistake. I called Kathy. I said, Kathy, there's two guys fighting in the parking lot. There's a woman dragging a pew out the church. They had to change the locks because somebody was trying to get the piano out the church. 
because they had paid for the piano. This church sat 1,300 people and had 45 people in it. They were mad, fighting. The pastor's cussing. He hates them. They hate him. I'm in the car said, oh, gloom and despair and agony on me. <laughs> oh, deep, dark depression, excessive milk. God! He said, you on your own, Jess? I prayed most of that night. Oh, Lord, if it be thy will, and it is, it is, I'll sneak out tonight. I'll leave the church door open so the woman can get the piano if you want. I got to get out of here, God. I can't come here. And I never forget it. That morning, and I very seldom have a preacher Sunday morning, but I preached that Sunday morning. This man said, we have a guest speaker, like this. We have a guest speaker here from New Orleans, Louisiana. His name is Jesse Duplantis, and he named this preacher. He said, this preacher told me if I'd get him, that he could help us. But I tell you, when I look across this congregation, I don't see how any help can come to these people. Boy, and I'm thinking, thanks a lot, God. You're really helping me out here. You know what I'm saying? Why don't you just shut up and give me the mic? Now, I am not exaggerating, ladies and gentlemen. I am not putting anything to this thing. I got sweat running down the back of my legs. I want to get up and say, you've been waiting to balance and found what? You're all going to hell. You're going to burn, you bunch of honkies. I see you. Bye. Out the door. Well, I wanted to go. I had enough. I was getting mad just being in the place. You know, you get around people like that, it, they, it kind of get on you. And brother, I got before those people, he sat down. Ladies and gentlemen, when I got up, I heard the Spirit of the Lord said, Can these things be? I went, what? He said, can these bones live? This is where I got this message. Can these bones live? I said, only you know, God. In no way. This is a bunch of Draculas. This is the living dead here. They've been eating each other and killing each other. Oh, God, the woman, the woman's back with the pew. She might walk this one. I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, this is all going in my mind. And I never forget the Spirit of God. He said, prophesy unto these bones. I went, prophesy, prophesy. What? What am I going to prophesy? I'm going to prophesy. I'll see you later. Uh, bye-bye. I'm out of here. You understand? Thus saith Jesse. Get out of here. I'm gone. I'm out of here. I wanted to leave. I was finished. But God was dealing with me. Can these bones live? Can these things be? And when I opened my mouth, I began to prophesy. And spit began to fly. And I prophesied for 45 minutes. I mean prophesied. Bless God. And I stopped. And I said, now who wants to get saved? And the pastor jumped up and said, I want to get saved. I want to get saved. I want to get saved. Glory. I want to get saved. Can these things be? Then his wife stood up. She said, we have sinned a great sin. We're full of bitterness and malice. And they came to the front, the pastor and his wife, and knelt down. And all other 43 people walked out. First time in my life, the whole church came and got saved. <laughs> Prophesy to these bones. That church today is now running over a thousand. I'll never forget it as long as I ever live. I called my friend and I said, Hey, buddy, this is Jesse. <laughs> he said, Was that a hellhole? I said, Why did you ask me to go? He said, Jesse, I figured if anybody could do something with that place, you could. I didn't think no devil in hell could wipe that smile off your face. I say, It's gone right now. 
That night we had about 400 people. They repented. The devil had gotten there. My point is this. But God asked me, can these bones live? Can they live? No, they're dead. Who wants them to live? Let's use them for toothpicks. Come on, God. Can these things be? No, you just tell it, no, you're going to do what I tell you. See, that's how you lose weight. You quit being dictated by what the flesh, the appetites say. You dictate to the flesh. I ain't saying it's easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But diets don't work. Why? Because they got, they got a terrible name. Diet. 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 It's not good. Because the minute you speak a thought, you know, I think about it. The minute you think a thought of a diet, your body sends signals to it and says, famine, 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 eat, 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 store, store, store in the back where they can't see it, store, store. You, boy, don't say that word. Here's another word, fast. No! Eat! Hurry! Your body's saying famine's coming. It's cutting us off. Now, when you feed your body too much, you know what the body's saying? Boy, we must have some trouble ahead. Store. There must be some bad times are coming, Jack. He wouldn't put this much in here. I don't know what's going on, but I guarantee you one thing. Oh, Lord. Recession coming, I guess. So build fat. Come on. Because that's what the body said. There must not be provisions. So he's giving it to us all at one time. Ain't no use to burn it. Slow the metabolism down. Don't burn this stuff because it's going to get bad, Jack. That's exactly what your body is saying when you're overeating. Because it wonders, why would you do that? It sends you a signal when it's had enough. It's called a little burp. <laughs> but no, we don't eat because of... We don't eat because to get full. We eat because it tastes good. I think I, ha- think I have another, another little bite there. <laughs> After a while, the body's going, Hey, hey, we're choking down here, man. In fact, it don't know what to do, so it says, man, I I can't move. Let's get sleepy. (sighs) Your body said, hey, I can't handle this. Shut him down. If he don't shut his mouth, he'll kill us. Is that true? Oh, yeah. But once you regulate it and you give it what it needs, you never have to worry about fat no more. Oh, I can't help it, Brother Jesse. I tried all them diets. You know, it's in the genes. <laughs> it's outside the genes on this side over here. You ever seen someone wear jeans and some of this fat's hanging over that jean? Hi, man, just hide that way. So how come you don't put that in? I try to put it, but it pop out. <laughs> Same thing with men. Men don't. They, 
You know, all they got to do is put it over their belly. But most men say, oh, no, I have to change pants size. So what I'm going to do is put it under that belly. I wear 32 waist pants, but I got a 94 belly. Now I get that like Oh, no, I ain't buying no bigger pants. You can forget that, Jack. Just put it underneath. Put it way underneath. And that's the truth. I, have, see, I saw a guy that day. I looked at it. My God. We was in an airport. He's a Western guy. You know, wearing Western clothes. I, I, if he didn't have a 30 waist pair of jeans on, he, I mean, skin tight. His belly was this full. I said, he got to be, can't breathe. But he had it under that belly. Oh, that belly was just going before him. Now you look at him from the back, little bitty guy. You turn around, man, like a crane. <laughs> See, now what does he need in his life? A diet? No, that ain't going to work. He needs to understand the day the power came. You begin to rebuke the power of food in your life. And you do it through the name of Jesus. This lady stopped by my office. It's a very sweet lady. I didn't know her. But she stopped. And normally I'm never in my office. But I happened to be walking to the front. I come out of the hallway. I was in the back. And, uh, and I walked. She opened the door past her. She said, oh, Brother Jesse. I said, oh, I said, hello. How you doing? Brother Jesse, I need to ask you a question. I need to ask you a question right now. You have disturbed me. I said, oh, God, what have I done now? I said, I have. She said, yes. She, she said, we watch your television program all the time. I said, well, thank you. That's very kind of you to do that. What can I do for you? She said, you don't like Mary, do you? I said, what? She said, you don't like Mary. I said, Mary who? I didn't know what she was thinking. She said, the Virgin Mary. You don't like her, do you? I said, yeah, I love Mary. What makes you think I don't like Mary? She said, because I heard you say you don't pray to Mary. I heard you say that one of your sermons. You don't pray to Mary. She said, I love Mary. We pray to Mary all the time. She said, I want to let you know we also spirit-filled. We love God. But I have a, several ladies that come to my house and we, every day, we pray to Mary. We pray. We pray to Rose. We pray to Mary. We pray. We love Mary. And you don't, you, you don't pray to Mary. I said, man, I could have, I could have hit the woman right between the chops, you know, with a theological, homiletical, hermeneutical, philosophical slap. But I want to build a bridge instead of burning a bridge. So I said, oh, I love Mary. The Bible says she's found favor above all women. She's the mother of God. She said, well, why don't you pray like, pray to her? Now, this is a very sincere woman that loves God. You can see that. That this girl loves Jesus Christ. She's born again, man. You can see that. But she's in a particular religion. Understand? But she loves God, man, with all her heart. I said, you don't pray. She said, you don't pray to me. I said, no, ma'am, I don't. Well, why? I said, because I pray like Mary prays. She said, what? I said, you don't pray like Mary prays? She said, what? I said, you mean to tell me as much as you love Mary, you don't pray like Mary prays? She said, well, no, not really. Uh, well, how does Mary pray? I said, well, she prays like her son told her to pray. I said, you mean to tell me all this time that you love Mary, you're not praying like Mary prays? I said, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. She said, well, how does Mary pray? I said, she prays exactly like Jesus told her to pray to the Father in his name. Don't you pray like Mary prays? Wouldn't you want to pray like Mary prayed? 
She said, yes, I'm going to pray like Mary prayed. I said, this is how she prayed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak your word today. I said, do you know she was in the upper room and filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Peter, James, and John? Don't you want to pray like Mary prays? My God, girl, as much as you love Mary, you ought to at least pray like Mary prays. She says, I'm going to start praying like Mary prays. I said, you need to do that. I said, when you pray, you ask the Father in Jesus' name. And the Bible said he'll bless you. Brother, she left my office all smiles. She went to her in a little Bible study. They all started praying. She said, no, no, no. We're not doing that no more. And they said, well, why? We're going to pray like Mary prayed. We're going to pray like Mary prayed? How does Mary? Brother Jesse said, Mary prayed like this and showed me how Jesus told her and everybody else to pray. And bless God, we're going to pray like Mary prays from now on. My God, now all of them are praying like Mary prays. Wait a second, watch this. This is where they invite the priest over. He's about, they said, don't you want to pray like Mary prays? And the priest said, well, I don't know. And she said, Brother Jesse said, this is how Mary prays. Now the priest is praying like Mary prays. The Bible studies praying like Mary prays. Glory! praying like Mary prays. What did you do? I built a bridge. I could have hurt that lady. But she loved God. Now they're all full of the Holy Ghost. Well, they were full of the Holy Ghost, but they got more of it. And my God, they got people coming to priests ministering to everyone. They pray, give altar calls after the mass, lay hands on the sick, they fall out in the spirit, get healed. And some people say, let's go. go. You'll see people walking over to the marriage statue. They'll go, ooh, no, no, come, come, come. We're going to pray like Mary prays. <laughs> We're going to pray like Mary prays. It worked. Instead of hurting somebody, taking something very, very touchy and saying, whoa. We're going to pray like she did. Now she understands. She says, my God, we should pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I remember my grandpa telling me, now I know your mom and dad's in the religion, but boy, if a man get in your face, knock him down, repent later, but bust him in the head. <laughs> my grandpa used to tell me that. Look, boy, don't take the dick off no one. Just, just knock their head off. I said, but it's a sin. We'll, we'll repent. <laughs> my mama said daddy don't you tell Jesse to do that <laughs> but she always honored her father he said she, he said I don't want nobody beating up my grandson he said I'll tell you something boy if you get whipped I'm going to whip you when you get here I said okay papa I ain't let nobody whip me and the next day some guy got in my face I hit him with a baseball bat Whack! down he went son Brought a teacher's come to get me. I said, y'all want some of this? Come on. <laughs> My papa said, I'm going to repent in a few minutes, but I'm going to knock some head here. <laughs> I, man, I, I was in the seventh grade. Got suspended. Why did you do that? I said, it's papa's fault. <laughs> and my grandpa went, I didn't think he'd do what I told him to do. Boy, my mama beat the fire out of me. Went down there and begged school to get me back in. My guy went back to my grandpa's house two days later. He said, come here, boy. But he didn't say that in front of mama. Took me in the backyard. He said, I'd have done the same thing. I said, why didn't you stand up for me? He said, yeah, man, you know, I don't want to get involved in your family business. 
I said, you almost got me killed, Papa. <laughs> oh, you'll make it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's a true story. I just believe what he said, man. Hey, Grandpa said, do it. We do it. It's amazing how your dads and your mama say, what's the matter with you, boy? Your daddy worried about how much it's going to cost. I ain't paying for this, boy. When your mama said, you could have killed somebody. And your dad said, yeah, boy. Shouldn't they hit that? You hit him with a bat? <laughs> they knock him down one lick, did you? Yeah, I bet he, he went out like a light, did it? <laughs> and then your mama, don't glorify that. Oh, boy, you shouldn't have done that, son. <laughs> Fathers are bad about that stuff. One time, two girls called my house, and they was mad, and they said, is Jesse there? And my daddy thought, he said, I don't know nobody named Jesse. <laughs> he figured, oh, God, man. Mama said, you lying, Paul? That's your son? Listen, two girls, man. I don't know what's going on. We got to protect this boy. <laughs> How many of you men done that? Don't lift your hand, man. Take heed what you hear. I'm back on this sermon. Take heed what you hear. I have many airplane stories because I fly approximately 300 to 350,000 miles a year preaching this gospel. So I'll bring my Bible with me or whatever and, and, and I'll just read. And people always come by with a magazine, right? And they say, would you care for a magazine? And I'll tell them, uh, I'll take the Gideon. And they say, the Gideon? I said, yes, the Gideon. They go, the Gideon. And they said, there's no magazine named the Gideon. I said, oh yes, there's one here on this plane. They said, another one. We must have missed it. I said, no, it's there. You just never pick it up. You never offer it to anybody. They said, well, what is the Gideon? I said, go back to the rack and look in there. And I've had those stewardesses go back and look in there, and it says, placed by the Gideons. She goes, Oh, the Bible. I said, yes, the Bible. They said, thank you. I said, you're welcome. So when I sit there, and, it, and this happened to me on a plane one time, I get very vivid. I, tr- I love Genesis. So I turned it to page one. And in my mind, as I was reading silently, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void. Darkness is upon the face of the deep. And, and the Spirit of the Lord moved. The word moved in the Hebrew means fluttered upon the waters. And God said, Light be. Now, this was going strong in my mind, and I got excited. And this man sitting next to me, I went, Whoa! My, wow! This guy looked at me, I said, listen, man, God just created the earth, look. And he went. I said, God. He looked at me, he said, you must be religious. I said, no, no, religious people don't talk about God. Born again people witness about God. Religious people have Thursday night visitation. They walk up to people's homes. Hello, would you like to meet Jesus Christ as Lord of your life? He'll come into your life and you can be just like me. No, I don't think so. Religion's very boring. I'm very expressive when I talk about the Lord. I enjoy Jesus. 
I shook this man up. I knew I did. And you know you can preach on an airplane because your congregation ain't going nowhere. Then ain't nobody got enough faith to get off that plane at 500 miles an hour. And if they get up and run in the bathroom, just get on the microphone and you can get them in there too, boy, with that microphone. I've cast devils out on planes. I didn't want to. This is another plane story. Walking past a person, this person looked at me and went, Ugh. I never thought nothing about it. I said, I'm going to my chair, Jack. I ain't saying nothing. And the Lord said, did you see that demon-possessed person? I said, yes, I did. He said, what are you going to do about it? I said, nothing. He said, why are you not going to do something about it? I said, because God, I'm on a plane. He said, I know where you are. I'm talking to you. Don't you know I know where you are? I said, but God, I'm on a plane. He said, I know you're on a plane. You're going to let that person die and go to hell with that possessing spirit? Yeah. I said, God. I said, Gator, you see, if I don't open my mouth up, I don't look like a preacher. I look like a businessman. I don't look like a preacher. I look like a businessman. I've had people say, are you a lawyer? Are you a doctor? I go, no, I'm a Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, power pack, punching preacher. They go, whoa. <laughs> so usually, I, you know, I said, God, this person gets up. She was in the wrong seat. She went back about four seats behind me and sat down. And I could hear her back there. I could, that spirit knew I was on that plane. And the Lord said, what are you going to do? I said, I wasn't planning. I said, look, God, listen. I said, then they're going to they're gonna have a bunch of men in white coats take me off this plane if we start this stuff. He said, I didn't tell you to get up and go lay hands on the woman. He said, you can rebuke that spirit right where you are. I said, sound good to me. I can do that, God. It's not as embarrassing. So I got my seat buckled up. Bless God, God, I knew this thing was going to get hot. And under my spirit, you demon devil from hell, I bind you. I bind you in Jesus' name. I command you. And I'm doing this. I'm going, no, 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 no. This guy next to me said, is there something wrong? I said, no, 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 there's nothing wrong. Because, I, you know, I get vivid. I can't help it. I'm an expressionist. And I'm going, you demon devil of hell. Got the gall and all that. I said, growl at me, growl at me. You demon, I bind you. And all of a sudden, I hear this behind me going, Rrr! Finally, I heard the man say, Stewardess, ding, ding, ding. Stewardess, this person, something's wrong. And I heard the stewardess run and said, she, Oh, she might be having an epileptic fit. I said, No, she doesn't. She's got a demon in her. And everybody went, Whoa, demons. Let me out of here, Jack. I am out of here. Demons. When I said demon, that man on site got up. I said, There's a devil in that woman. The, stu the Delta students went, <laughs> well, what are we going to do? I should have received an offering. I'd have paid cash for everything right there, glory to God. But I didn't. I said, we're going to cast this devil out. So I'm hollering at I said, you devil from hell, I find you. I said, get out. She went, oh. And the guy said, I think you killed her, man. I said, I didn't kill her. 
And all of a sudden, that anointing, I said, let me tell you something. If you're not born again, that devil can jump all over this plane and get inside each and every one of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Boy, I mean, by that time I'm preaching, it's coming on me. I tell you what, we had Buddhists praying to God. Oh, Jesus. We had everybody go, oh, boy, you ought to see the Catholics. They had their beads out. Hail, may the Lord, bless one, Jesus, I found the Everybody praying. Guess what? The chief steward says, cast the devil out. And the little lady went, thank you. I said, you're welcome. I sat back down to God. It was seeming. He said, uh, is there any more devils on this plane? I said, I didn't see any. Oh, thank God. I heard a little boy say, look, mama, an exorcism. A little boy said that. I got the chief steward come and says, excuse me, the captain would like to see you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to jail. The devil went to hell and Jesse going to jail. That's it. This is a federal offense. You know, the man could put... He might... So the Delta captain went... He, I walked in. I said, it, it, it's not my fault. And, that, you know, in this particular plane, you could pull the curtain where the stewardess would get behind them when they're preparing the cokes and the different things. He says, come here. He said, they told me there was a person that had a demon. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> he said, you cast this devil out? He said, this demon out? I said, well, no, I didn't. Jesus did. Use the name of Jesus. Listen, man, what do you want me to do? God told me to get rid of the devil. Could have killed us all in this plane if we wouldn't have done it. I mean, you, what do you want me to do? He says, and you even spoke in tongues? I said, yes, sir. He went, he said, I'm spirit-filled myself. I wish you'd have waited till I got there. That's exactly what that captain said. I mean, he, he said, listen, I have never seen a devil cast out of my life. He said, I'm a charismatic cast. I love God, man. He said, let's walk through the aisle and see if we see any more. <laughs> I said, oh, I think they're all gone, captain. I think they're all gone. I just knew that I was going to jail. And when we made it to our destination, that lady put her hand on my, and she says, I have been in so much bondage since a small child. I said, ma'am, don't thank me. The Lord Jesus Christ did that. It was amazing. Plains are wonderful places to minister the gospel. You know how I got filled with the Holy Ghost? By a cross-eyed preacher. Cross-eyed as a bat, son. The guy could look at you, and you would not know he was looking at you. This bar was like this. And I'd go. This bar was cross-sided. Remember him, Kathy? And he had a problem with his hand. He'd scratch all the time. I'll tell you what. And you know, it seemed like them old Pentecostal preachers had that. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, God. God. You know, and I thought that guy need a healing for whatever he got. I don't know. And they all kind of walk like this. You know, they kind of. You know, they didn't walk like a normal, they just kind of, like there was something in their pants that shouldn't have been there or something, I don't know. 
That's kind of crude, but bless God. I thought, my God, man, what's the problem with the old boy? Kathy said, go up there. Get the Holy Ghost. I didn't want to come back like this. I'll tell you what. (laughs) I didn't want to do that. I said, I ain't going up there. She said, well, my sister's going to go. You go, go with her. I said, I don't want to go. I'm going to start scratching and walk weird. You need it. You've had an outpouring of supernatural power, but you need an outpouring of supernatural portion. So I went up there with her sister. I put her in front of me. I said, go ahead, Christine. And then this usher grabbed me and said, you got to get on a side of her. So I'm standing there. Behind which I was a little, little nervous. He comes walking. And, he, and it, it's amazing what this man would do. He said, I tell you, God, God, God. I said, he better hurry up because you're going to die in about five seconds on his scratch. So when you see somebody doing it after a while, you're going. So put your hands up when you see him scratch yourself before you're going. He stands in front of me. Would you like to receive? Well, I said, would you like to receive? I said, would you like to receive the Holy Ghost? And I'm still going. You looking at me? I couldn't tell. I could not tell. This guy's eyes was this way. I couldn't tell. So Christine, her sister said, I think he's looking at you. I said, his eyes are on you. She said, only one of them is. The other one's on you. That's called peripheral vision. This guy could do television good. He could see both monitors at the same time. I said, I am not adding anything. This is a truth. I mean, it's worse than that. He said, I'm going to lay hands on you. And he put his hand over here, and then I realized he saw two heads. So I went. I knew he was missing me, Mike. He was missing me. Well, what's so funny, Christine, her sister, did both of us hit heads. She said, I thought he was looking at me. I said, I thought he was looking at me. But an outpouring of supernatural portion came upon me. I was filled with the Holy Ghost like this. Christine was filled like this. Both of us walked out the church like this. So you have it. We got it. We got it. We got it. Let's go. We got it. (laughs) We had it all right. It was an outpouring of supernatural power produced by an outpouring of supernatural portion. Don't laugh, it could happen to you. It's not you that liveth, but the anointed that lives in you. See, I'm a dead man. A preacher asked me just a few days ago, Brother Jesse, do you have problems with sin? I said, no, I was delivered of that. Romans 8 talks about that. I've been freed from sin. Freed from it. That doesn't mean I'm not living in a sin world, but I'm free. That doesn't mean I have it sin. Don't misunderstand me. But I, that's one thing I don't think about. I'm not interested in those things. Why? Because I'm a dead man. 
I'm just a dead man. I had a woman one time made a hit on me. She said, hi. I said, hello. She was a lady of the evening. I just looked at her. She said, would you like to have some company tonight? I said, I'm a dead man. She went, oh, I'm sorry. That's exactly what she said. She looked at me and said, have you had any medical help? I said, no. I enjoy being dead. She just looked at me. I said, lady, I've got all the company I need. I got God the Father. I got God the Son. I got God the Holy Ghost. And she went, ah, a preacher. And took off running. Just left me. That's true. Now, what I could have done is looked around and said, just a minute. What's happening, mama? Get down with your bad self. But I didn't do that. Did you want to do that? No. I would have had to go back to the cemetery and dig up that old man. Say, where is he buried? In a religious place. Don't shout me down. See, there's a lot of people never bury their dead man. They carry him around in a coffin everywhere they go. They're like Dracula. They bring that basket, that old, and if somebody gets in their face, I tell you one thing. And they think, I am a Christian. I'm an anointed. I can't say nothing. Oh, but I know somebody who can. They walk over to the dead man. Dead man, come out. Resurrect yourself. <sighs> that dead man will curse. He'll sin. And all of a sudden, here come the minister. Okay, dead man, get back in the Get back in there. Get back in there. If you're carrying a dead man around, you're making a provision for failure. Well, I was preaching this meeting, and it leads up to this scriptures I'm going to pray. And this lady said, Brother Jesse, and I very seldom ever go to people's homes and, and eat. Not that I'm, that I'm not friendly. I'm a very friendly man. But if I do that, then, then I got to go eat everywhere. You understand? Then I weigh 5,000 pounds. You know? But anyway, I just, she said, I'm going to cook you a gumbo. You've never eaten. You've the best gumbo you'll ever eat in your life. I thought to myself, honey, you've got a long way to go. Because she wasn't from the south, or actually she wasn't from Louisiana, especially south Louisiana. So I went, and you know, some people think a gumbo is a chicken diving in a pot, you know what I'm saying, and then jumping out. And I, all it is is ball chicken, ball water, a duck doing that, something like that. So I went down there, and, I, and, I, and you know, and I, we sat down, and, and I met her husband, and he wasn't saying. And he was just kind of checking me out, you know, because I was a preacher, wondering what I want, probably an offering, you know, how that kind of junk is. Because he hears all that junk, and that's not true, but, you know. And I noticed the two, but the two kids really liked me. But just, I'm so glad to come to this house. I said, thank you and everything. Finally, all this, you know, she cooks it. She puts it on the table. She brings it to me. Now, I look at it, and I could tell by looking at it that it was El Trasho. <laughs> you understand? I could tell. I knew it was bad. I just knew it. So I thought, well, I'm going to eat this stuff because the Bible said eat was set before you. And if she asked me, I'm going to lie like a dog. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> And I said, I'm going to tell a little white lie. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, no lies are white. I said, oh. He said, you be honest. I said, that's easy for you to say. I'm the one here. I got to eat this trash. You understand? 
you up in heaven saying, suffer. You know? I don't want to eat this stuff. So anyway, she brings it to me. She puts it in front of me, boy. And then she said, everybody, we all sit there. Now, I take this spoon. You know, it's one of these gumbo spoons, which is a big, you know, bigger than a normal teaspoon. It's like a, almost as big as a table, you know, a soup spoon there. So I go to do this, and I notice her husband looking at me. And he ain't tasting it neither. He's just looking at me. He's just holding it like this. And he just, I mean, he's staring at me. And the two kids, they ain't eating nothing. They're just looking at me. I know, I'm not exaggerating a bit. They're just looking at me. I'm thinking, my God, man. You know, I guess, they, well, they think because I'm a kid and I, I'm going you know, to test this gumbo. So I take it and I put it in my mouth. <laughs> Son, I mean, my God, worse. Trash. I mean, bad. Bad. Major bad. <laughs> Kill plants with it. You know, just bad stuff. This was, I'm, I'm trying, it was terrible. I hope this lady's not here tonight. I hope so. But anyway, no. Now watch this. So I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh. And she said, well, how do you like it? <laughs> and in my mind, lie, 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 lie. And the Lord said, don't you lie, you tell her the truth. <laughs> Boy, you, I'm praying rapture, get me out of here. Man, you know, I'm not rude. I don't want to be rude to me if I tell it, be rude. And I'm, man, I'm just sitting there and I'm going. Now, her husband is just looking at me with that spoon. He ain't that touched neither the kids. They're just looking at me. She said, well, how do you like it? I said, well, ma'am. God, I got to be honest. I, don't, I said, this is trash. <laughs> And her husband went, bam, and throw that spoon down. He said, I know you're a man of God now. I know you are. I know you're a man of God. And it shot me. And the kids, they dropped their spoon. He said, honey, this is trash. We've been eating this for years. Don't never make this again. Ever. Never. Never. I'll never forget that. That man said, I've had preachers come here and eat that junk and lie like a dog. We know it ain't no good. You're the first man that told us the truth. He said, I believe you're a man. That guy got saved two weeks later because of that old dumb gumbo. Trashy gumbo. It was bad. I mean, and the kid said, Mama, we didn't want to hurt your feelings, but never cook it again. I look over there, I can see the dog in the corner going, thank you, Jacob. I ain't got to eat this junk neither. Now, her problem was not that she wasn't a good cook, is she didn't have the right ingredients. She didn't understand the flavor. She didn't know how to put it all together. I was coming out of a crusade, Rob, listen to this, this is funny. I had finished preaching. I come off the platform, I was walking off the side. I got two guards on the side of me. All right? I'm walking off like that because people knock you down, man, some places, you know. As I walk through the side entrance of the door, there's a 72-year-old woman. First, you don't ever say nothing to a 72-year-old woman because what is she going to do? Sweet-looking little grandmother. She can get by security more than anyone else you've ever seen in your life because she's just a little sweet grandmother. Now, you get a guy that's a young man or a young woman. No, 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 excuse me. All right? So there she is. So I see her. As I'm walking, she'd be like right there. I see her. She's just smiling at me. As I walk by like that, and I said, how you doing? She grabs me and throws me in this closet. 
just pushes me in his closet, shuts the door. She looks at me, she says, I want a man. I said, you got to be kidding me. She said, I want a man and I want him now. I thought, woman, open that door. Boy, I could just see the headlines. Evangelist in a closet with a 72-year-old woman. My God, man, I said, what? She said, I want a man. I'm not dead. I said, I don't want to talk about your problem. <laughs> she was serious. She said, I lost my husband several years ago. I'm tired of being alone. I want a man. You a man of God. You know how to pray. Pray for me. Man, you're going to pray for the woman she got you in the closet. <laughs> I said, Lord, give her a man, man. Whatever she needs, make sure he's strong, because this is a strong woman. Bless God, give her a man. I say, open the door. Then the guard tried to open the door. She, got she said, she opened that door. She said, thank you. Two of us agree. I'm going to get me a man. And I thought, man, I don't doubt you won't, sweetheart. And the two guys said, man, I'm sobbing. That woman just told you in the closet. I said, don't you ever let old women get around me anymore. <laughs> now, I, I was in Shreveport, Louisiana, the Civic Center. I must have came back about 9, 10, maybe 11 months later, and I was preaching for a pastor. Church there, came back. I did my own citywide crusade. So I came back and was ministering in this man's church. He, in fact, he turned out to be, he was the chairman of the uh, original crusade and I wanted to come back in his church. So, got a nice sized church. I very seldom ever go to my tape table, but I just happened to want to go back there, you know. It's before service. So I walk back there. And all of a sudden, here comes this little woman, and she got a man on her arm. And he's a good looking man. And she looked at me and went, Remember me? I said, uh, Yes, ma'am. She said, it works. She says, Look, she is married, happy, blessed. I said, Sir, are you in shape? He looked at me and says, Oh, yeah, I'm a jogger. He said, I run about 15, 20 miles a week and I eat right. I said, You need it with her, don't you? He said, How'd you know that? I said, The Lord works in mysterious ways. 72. He was about 74, didn't look it. She really didn't look 72. She looked about 55, really. Huh? She was in good shape, looked beautiful, beautiful lady. I mean, I thought, praise God. She said, look, man, the, and, uh, I, I talked to her after the service. I said, boy, you kind of shook me up. She said, well, I read a scripture that day, and I didn't have enough. She said, the violet, take it by force. <laughs> That's what she said. And she said, Brother Jesse, I'm going to be honest with you, and I, I don't mean this to brag. I really love your ministry. I've been, to your, I've been in your ministry for many years. I really believe you're a man of God. You've never changed. I, I, I was in your meetings when you had brown hair. I said, you've got to be careful. She said, no. Every time you came to North Louisiana, I was there with my first husband. He loved you. And we loved you. And I, I, and I don't mean that's Eric. At least I, I'm not saying it. But she said, but you've never changed. I've seen you go from preaching to 20 people to preaching to thousands. And you're the same. Your message hadn't changed. I said, well, I started out preaching the right thing. And you're a man of integrity. Bye-bye. And I was giving some wonderful comments. She said, and I thought, who could help me? Because no one would believe God. They'd look at me and go, come on, woman. Ain't you beyond that by now? You're 72 years old, woman. 
you know. She said, I didn't need that doubt and unbelief. Well, she said, I want, she need a good report. And she received a good report. She's still living today in that same, and her husband, still living today. Still in health. I mean, now, ladies and gentlemen, that was 82. 1982. Now, that's 90, 94 at the time of this preaching. What I'm saying is, and she was 72 then. Yeah, they're still driving their car. They're still coming to me. <laughs> she looks good. Still exercising. Eating right. She just told me. In fact, she came to, one of my, she came to my meeting not long ago when I was in a place called Joaquin, Texas, which is on the borderline of Louisiana and Texas. She says, you know what? She said, I believe we're going into rapture. I said, I don't doubt it. She said, you know, dying sad. And we don't want to be sad, so we're just going to hang around until it comes. Now, Jesus, God bless you. She obtained a good report, and she's obtaining a good report on a daily basis. And what happens is, is people take someone that may have went overbalanced or whatever, crazy with something, and try to throw the whole wonderful truth away. Like this laughing revival. I'll tell you one thing. I don't like that laughing revival. They're all in the flesh. Well, you know, you probably was in the flesh watching it. Don't shout me down. We've all done that. But let me give you a little prime example. I've done it myself. You know, we're not God's adults. We are God's children. Have you ever thought, and I'm not saying this is happening, but have you ever thought I submitted to you for your thinking? Have you ever thought, I've seen some people fall on the floor in uncontrollable laughter that were people of dignity that did not want to do that. Couldn't help themselves. Have you ever thought that God is doing this? Not, we're not God's adults, but God's children. You ever thought God's going, <laughs> and he might be goosing some of them. Goose, 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 goose. <laughs> yeah. How many of y'all ever tickled your children? Hold your hand up, you tickle your children. How many of you have goosed your children and they're grown up now? <laughs> My daughter's grown up, but every once in a while I give her a little goose. Woo! Daddy. See, where'd you learn that from? Church. Church. Yeah, it happens. Especially Pentecostal. They were talking to you. They say, you know, God, God, God's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a little goose. Yes. So we're going to baptize you. Oh, dear. Yes. Say, what's happening? The Lord going, <laughs> why can't he do that? Aren't we his aren't we are his children, father and his family? There's a little goose. Then I had, then my dad got filled with this Holy Ghost stuff. They told me I needed to be baptized again. I said, listen, I'm clean. Again? Again. They went into bondage. God is my witness. Bondage. They said, you got to speak in tongues and they will hold you till you do. I blew bubbles to make them think I was speaking in tongues. <laughs> I crazy that fool preacher wasn't going to let me up. He's going to preach a baptism or a funeral, one or the other. And people would shout, and they all said the same thing. 
Oh, I used to listen to them bubbas. I didn't know what they meant. I always had some crazy woman. In the bottom of her chin, because it's fat, you know. Just I thought that's what made that sound. I didn't know for sure. You got to understand, I wasn't raised that way. I would watch people. Big mama start getting hit by the Holy Ghost. She start dancing, man. Pews flying. Boy, that big rear end, wham, hit a pew. Right, boy, whoa. How? That hair, get that, that jerk. And they go, yeah. They try to talk out. Jesus. And sometimes I'd make fun and go, what did, what did he say? I heard a person the other day, I was on a plane, was on one of his little commuter jobs. She was going, choo, choo. I said, do you, it looks like you have a cold. She said, yes. I said, do you believe in healing? She said, sir. I said, do you believe in healing? She said, you mean healing, healing? I said, that, that's a dumb statement, it? healing, healing. <laughs> I said, yes, healing. She said, uh, well, our pastor talks about it. I said, well, bow your head. She said, huh? I said, bow your head. She said, here. I said, well, you want to cough all the way and spread germs all over everybody? <laughs> or do you want to heal it? She said, I, 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 I said, people will get quiet. I said, y'all calm down. Hey, we're going to pray for this woman's healing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that don't bother me. I just laid my little hands on her shoulder and said, Father, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the virus that's trying to invade her body. We invade her body with Holy Ghost cells of power and dominion and authority in the name of Jesus. There was a guy drinking. He went, whoo, I was in the airport one time. My God, people get mad if they don't get what they pay for. Had a hot dog machine. Boy, that guy put some money in there. Bam, bam. They start punching it. Talk to it too. Give me my hot dog. Boom. You know, do all kind of stupid things to a machine. You know how that is. I had to teach that man to sit on his problems. I said, what's the matter, sir? And he said a few choice words. Blankety blank machine. Give me my hot dog. I said, well, did you pray for it instead of beating it up? He looked at me like I was insane. I said, I'm going to pray for this machine to give you your hot dog. <laughs> well, it was a way to get the word of God to him. You can laugh about that, but the man needed Jesus. Cussing all over an airport at a hot dog machine, you need God. <laughs> I felt so stupid. <laughs> Lay my hands in that machine. The devil said, suppose the weenie don't come out. <laughs> you know how that is. You feel like an idiot. <laughs> I laid my hands in that machine. I said, devil, turn loose of that weenie. Turn loose of that thing. In Jesus' name. And the hot dog fell out. Bam. Just fell out right there. <laughs> There's a hippie friend, some dude, I don't, he said, Say, brother, can you get me one? Some dude. I said, no, you pay for your That man paid for his hot dog. Now, I felt like an idiot. <laughs> I should have prayed for chili and mustard on it. That really would have been a miracle. 
We just use that machine as a pulpit to proclaim the good news of the gospel. You laugh about that, but pull all the humor out. There's some people needing a terrible problem. They're inside a grave trying to get out the stone. You need to knock that stone down and sit on it. Let the glory of God flow out of you. Now, how many of y'all, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, how many of y'all believe you were created by God? All right, right? Now, he says this, and God said, let us make man in our image. Now, I believe when God said that, I like what Brother Charles Cap said. I don't believe God said it like this. And God said, let us make man in our image. I don't think God, some gorilla, some big silverback hanging off a tree eating a banana. I, I can't do it. But you know how they monkeys do that? Now you laugh about that. But do you know, put that television camera by my face. The greatest intellectual minds of America believe in this. Now you know that isn't funny. You laughing, but they're teaching your children that. These great intellectual minds think God is some monkey hanging off of a tree and decided to make man. No, it wasn't like that. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, what does that mean? After our personality. Do you notice that some people, when they come to church, they shout real loud. They got some people, bless God, you get by and they go, Woo, glory to God, hallelujah, thank God, Jesus, how glory, whoa. Then the person next to them go, amen. Why is that? Likeness. Personality. God likes variety. I was watching Sister Gloria preach the other day. Sister Gloria is right here. Sister Gloria will move to about right here. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. And that's why she never gets lost in the word me. I go out here, I go flying off on a story, and I'm in New York, and I'm supposed to be in Anaheim. <laughs> you know. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a different way of presentation, which is okay. You should never try to be anyone but yourself. Because, see, God made you in his likeness. He's a multifaceted God. You understand? So just be who you are. Now, you can pick up and learn things from people who don't misunderstand me, but, I mean, never lose the, the real you. Keep it there, because that's what God created, and he likes it. Now, I've been criticized. I went on a hunting trip with 12 of the biggest sinners you ever saw in your life in the Colorado mountains years ago. I mean, they criticized me. I said, is there a Christian on the hunt? But just, we'll get a Christian hunt together. I said, I ain't going. I don't want to go. I want to go with the biggest sinners you got. He said, son, we got a crew that comes every year. <laughs> he bought I said, I asked him when I want, oh, Reverend, you don't understand. They're going to talk about women. They're going to drink booze. I mean, they're going it, to, it's going to be bad, dirty jokes from the minute you get that. It, it, you know, I said, that's exactly where I want to go. He said, well, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to tell them you're a preacher. I said, no, tell them there's a preacher going on. And sure enough, they did. And all of them said, well, I'll tell you one blankety blank thing. I ain't going to stop our blankety blank having fun.
We don't care if that blankety blank preacher's coming. We're going to blank whatever we want to blank. <laughs> Zach works. So I got that, looked at me, and I met everybody. And they said, this is Reverend Jesse Blank. And they said, now, Reverend, let me just tell you this, one blankety blank thing. We're going to blank the blank, talk the way we want to blank. You understand? We're going to talk about women. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about all this stuff. We're going to cuss when we want to. We're going to drink booze. In fact, I got two, I got two quarts of Jack Dan. If you, you know, we're going up the mountain. If you want to drink something, we ain't going to tell nobody. <laughs> this other guy said, man, that old blanket blank Jack Dan, you know, good. You got to get some of this blanket blank Royal Crown. Now, this is really blanket of good stuff. I said, guys, y'all can talk as much as you want, cuss as much as you want. I couldn't care less. They just look. I said, if you want a flat cuss, cuss from the minute you start to the minute you stop. It don't make no difference to me. I said, you can talk about all your sexual exploits. Most of them are lies anyway. You know it's the truth. <laughs> and they're all laughing. I said, I said, you're all lying anyway. I said, well, you can say whatever you want to say. It doesn't make it. I said, in fact, don't let me disturb your lifestyle. I said, but I'm going to just say this. Since you can cuss when you want, talk when you want, if I want to praise God when I want, if I want to shout when I want, I said, I guess that'll be all right. Blankly blank right with us. I said, well, praise God, that's what we'll do. Sure enough, we started that first day hunt, son. I want to tell you something. There'd be a cuss and I'd go, and they go, blankety blank, rabbit. you do that? And why'd you blanket and blanket so loud? I said, whoa, Jesus in my life. I was the first one to get an elk. Wait, wait. I was the first one to get a deer. They come out there and they went, blankety blank. Reverend got the biggest blankety blank elk we ever saw in the place. Three days of the hunt and they ain't had any. I'd come out there and I'd go, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. I'd get up in the morning, wake him up. I'd go, oh, Lord, Jesse's up. Hello, Jesus. <laughs> and some of them would come out the tent. What the blanket is, blanket is he looking for? <laughs> True story. I'm not adding anything to it. I just sat there and smiled. See, because the God in me is greater than the devil that's in me. God in me. God in me. About that third day, son. Hey, Rev. Can you talk to the good Lord? Help us out here on this hunt? I said, well, he'd have been here, but every time he tries to come, y'all just shut him out with all them blankety-blank words y'all say. I didn't say that. I just, you know. I said, man, you know, change the conversation a little bit. They might come down here and say so. Think so? I said, well, got my elk, didn't I? He just smiled. One of them went, help us, God. That's so, so funny. But what was amazing is I'm not the kind of man you can't put me in a stand. I don't like sitting there waiting for a deer to come by. I can't, I, you know, I got too much energy, man. I'm going to walk. 
I run up and down the mountain. I was 11,000 feet. I crossed. I went past the tree line. I was chasing elk, man. I just go. I, you know, and I, I just, I, I would walk past this stand and say, hey, ref, hey, ref. I say, hey, what's up? He said, I say, you see anything? You know, he talked about the hunt. You see anything? I ain't seen nothing yet. Hey, listen, uh, don't tell the other guys. Uh, what about this Jesus? I mean, you know, you know, I like you. I said, well, I like you too. It, this is really real in you. I said, yeah, it's great. I said, just to know God. He said, well, you know, he names me his religion. You know, I was raised. Mm-mm. I said, well, that's all right. He said, he said well, I don't know if all this stuff is true. All of them. I'd go by their stands. See, I knew I was going to get that elk and I did it first day. And the rest, six days, I was going to be witnessing. So I knew that. That's why I wanted to go on that hunt. Got mine the first day. So. I mean, and I walk. I know where all, everybody knows where everybody's at, you know. And uh, I'd walk. And, and everyone else, hey, Rev. I want you to pray with me, but don't, 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 don't tell nobody. So I ain't gonna say a word. I ain't gonna say nothing. So I don't have to. When life gets in you, light comes out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I could go on and give you the whole complete story. That was years ago. Today, those 12 guys, 11 of them are deacons in a church today. Different churches across America. And the other one's a preacher. Now, don't take what I said out of context, because you see, if you get around sin, don't let sin pull you in. You pull them out of sin, not with criticism, but the love of God and with the power of God. He that hath the son hath life. You enjoyed it. Give Jesus a hand clap. Tell you a story. Don't tell nobody. It's really the truth. When I first got a hold of Brother Copeland and Sister Gloria's tapes, you know, I said, "Well, bless God, if Kenneth Copeland say that, so can I." Well, you can say it, but bless God, you got to have some meat behind it, you know. I said, "If any I ever see any devil, I'll just cast him out." And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> I didn't stay in hotels in those days. Stayed in people's homes. And this lady, this lady, and man had a beautiful home. And they had a little room. That wasn't a little room. It was a pretty nice-sized room. It was all fixed nice. And they said, uh, Reverend Duplantis, if you, if you, we stay here with us. We have a swimming pool if you'd like to use the pool, whatever, during the day. And we won't bother you and everything. You just enjoy yourself. You know, the great man of faith and power that I was. I said, well, thank you. Well, I got my room, and I like to kind of read the Word of God before I go to sleep, put a scripture in my mind so the devil can't put nothing in it. Fill it up first, you know. You usually do that with your stomach. Do that with your mind, too. You know, I got in there. Fell off to sleep, and I woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I saw this big, gray-looking thing just doing this at me. The first thing I thought of, a devil. Especially if you're in somebody's house. So I was in the bed, man, and I could see it in the corner. And I said, get over here, devil. Jesus' name. And he just looked at me. I said, this ain't working. (laughs) So I thought I'd say it again. I said, get off. I said, get out of here in Jesus' name. And I heard the Lord, well, why don't you just get out of that bed and go get it? <laughs> you ain't going out there. <laughs> now, don't tell me how many times you had your leg hanging off a bed and the devil said, and, and, there's a monster under your bed. You just slip that leg back up. <laughs> Ask your husband to go put the light on so you can go to the bathroom. <laughs> they ain't going to get out of there. Full of the Holy Ghost. I began to rebuke that thing. And every once in a while, he would stand still and just move. 
I mean, I spit and scream. And when I say screaming, I had a little scream. I mean, I hollered. I used the blood of Jesus. That didn't work. I used the name of Jesus. That didn't work. I tried faith and that didn't work. I even tried grace. I did anything. Get that devil out that room. Get out of here. I said, I even stood up in the bed and, I, and I'd walk toward the end of the bed and just come out. I said, get out of here. I said, I mean, spitting. I mean, doing everything I know to do. I, had, I was a baby Christian. had my pampers on. Where the devil? I mean, I was ready, so. I spit and scream at that stinking thing till five o'clock in the morning and it wouldn't move. And the day of 530, actually, the daylight began to come through and it was a raincoat hanging over a rock. A raincoat kept me up for two and a half hours. Rebuking, rebuking, rebuking. Isn't it fun being saved? And the reason why it would move the air condition, kick on the vent, hit the thing, and it <laughs> do that. I got mad at God, Kenneth. I said, God, what's wrong? I've been rebuking this raincoat for two and a half hours. You could have told me something. And the Lord said, Jesse, that's the funniest thing I ever saw. You rebuking that raincoat, boy. You're rebuking a ratchet truth. <laughs> Rebuke a raincoat. Now, did God say that? Yes. You think I'd lie to you? The Lord's got a sense of humor. I've had many fits of carnality. Let me say it again. Have you had one today? Did you get up and you're a little tired and your kids have been screaming and hollering and you're trying to get to the convention and my, I got one thing after another. And you know you ought to pray, but you just don't feel like it. And I forget one time going to an airport, I was late and Kathy was, I said, let me drive because you drive too slow. I mean, I, that was a lie because she drives fast than I do. But I said, I'm going to make sure I'm going to get to this airport. And my daughter then, who was about six years old, five or six years old, was in the back seat. And man, I am took it, taking it down the road. And you know, every time you're in a hurry, there's some grandma getting her car to get on the, on the road. Or some grand or some old man who can't hear nothing. You can blow a Mack truck horn in the back of it, blow his trunk open. He just looking around. He don't care. And I took off because I I was going to a spiritual meeting. But I was about ready to encounter a fit, a carnality. Well, you know, we're in a hurry. Everybody, Everybody gets on the road that's not in a hurry. And this grandma just come flying out on the road. At a fast rate of 60, 60 miles an hour and slowed down to 35. Have you ever been there? Do you know that old woman? Yeah. So I'm trying to get around her. But she thinks both lanes belong to her. I go to the left, she go to the left. I go to the right, she go to the right. I felt Tabasco sauce coming up my legs. I was praying like this. God, do something with this woman. What? I don't. And I begin to talk to her. Hey, old woman, if you can't drive the car, park it. And then I realize she can't hear nothing. She's... Her bun on the back of her head's a radio antenna, man. She's listening to something. She don't know. So I said, I'm going to get. And so I, but I, every time, you know, she, if she wanted to see something, she'd do this and the car would go that way. And she'd look like that. Now, I'm not exaggerating. I thought. And I'm looking at Kathy and I'm t- I said, what's the matter with the woman? And Kathy just looking at me like, I'm not, I'm not getting involved in this carnality. Because she didn't say that. She's just looking at me. And I'm saying, I'm trying to get to a meeting. 
to be carnally minded is death. Finally, I said, brother, if she just goes to the right a half inch, I'm going to hit this thing. I'm going to put my foot in the carburetor, slam to the left, and I don't care if I hit the grass. I don't care if I go on a meeting. I'm going to pass that old woman. So I'm waiting. All of a sudden, I look, and her muffler falls off her car. It just fell off. I see it. I try to swerve. I don't. I hit that muffler and cuts my tires. I hear I had a fit. A fit. A carnality. I looked at an old woman. She didn't stop. She didn't know what happened. I became carnally minded. But out of the mouths of babes come great revelation. I said, yo, woman, if I could get you. And my daughter said, you tell her that Jesus loved her, huh, dad? <laughs> I had a fed, fed, fed a corner. And Kathy looked at me like this. I said, go away from me, holy one. I had to buy two tires. And I don't doubt that woman is driving somewhere right now. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, I could have prayed this. Lord, I'm kind of in a hurry. Would you mind moving that little lady over to the side? But it seemed like it was much easier if I'd holler through the glass. Say. I didn't hold fast to the former sound words. All that time that my blood began to boil, so to say, I could hear this Holy Ghost saying, watch it, watch it. You're going over into the death side. Watch it. But you know, you can hear the Holy Spirit. He quickens you. He lets you know. But you go, no, 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 no. I deserve, no, 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 no. I am under pressure here. I have to, I have to release. (laughs) I don't want to have a heart attack here. I can tell this is hitting everybody in the face. <laughs> Everybody's going, <laughs> a fit, a carnality. Have you had one today? Don't lie, you're in church. Or in other words, your destiny is in your mouth. What God does for you is what you say. What God gives you in terms of rewards and whatever is done strictly by how you live your life and by what you speak. No words, some words, or sound words. What are we speaking today? That's what God's saying. Then I realize even a little out of word. Yeah, every one of them is being wrote down. God keeps the books. He doesn't forget. Sometimes I've wanted him to forget. The only time he he forgets is when you ask for forgiveness and repentance that's washed away. But after you say it, you're just popping your lip whenever you think it's right to pop it and never come to the point of saying, Lord, I shouldn't have done this. You'll stand before those words or those words will stand before you in that great day. Why? That's why he said that sound words were a sacred trust. A sacred trust. Now, you know, mama kept her sound words. She had many opportunities to fail in me. Everything she saw was sin. Everything she saw was heathenism. I made sure she saw it. I wanted her, I figured if I could sin enough, I could stop her from praying. 
if I could just get her depressed. But then Kathy got saved. Now I had two against one. Then my daughter got saved. I don't know, three years old. And she'd tell me, Dad, you're going to hell. <laughs> so now I had three against one. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll get drunker. I'll smoke more dope. I'll do more crystal. Cocaine. Get me some cocaine. I can snort it at 100 yards through a $100 bill. <laughs> Let them talk to me about Jesus. And I go, yeah, yeah. Whoa. I know what I'll do. I'll just sin more. And it will depress them. And I did. I sinned till I couldn't sin no more. I was getting tired of sinning. <laughs> My body was tired. You can just drink so much. Then it comes up and looks at you. I said, I, I always grieved for their prayers of healing. I'd be throwing up my guts. I would go put my face in a place where my face should never be. And I'd hold it. Kathy would come in, heal him, Lord. And I'd say, heal me, Jesus. <laughs> Please. And I'd lie. i say, I'll never do this again. The Lord said, you lying. <laughs> but her words were a sacred trust. They were recorded in heaven and on earth. What are you saying here? What made them keep them words? See, in my mind, I thought I would destroy their strength. But I wasn't fighting them. I was fighting the Holy Spirit. And he was the creator. Now, let me tell you a little story that a parallel. This will help you. You know, I come from South Louisiana. We were very, very poor people. And in those days, when you wanted a chicken, when you wanted to have a fryer, a fried chicken, and those, that's when it was healthy, you know, when you could eat it every Sunday. Glory to God. You know, you didn't go to Safeway. You didn't go to Dale Champs. I don't know if y'all got that in California or any of these stores. You went your backyard to get you a chicken. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Hold your hand up. You've been back there. They call it a chicken coop. You raise your own chickens and you pluck the feathers and you, and you do whatever you need to do and you cook them chickens. I had a wonderful grandfather. I mean, I would say one of the best grandfathers ever lived. He, he never went to school but one day in his life and he didn't like it and he quit. That's right. His mother left him on a New Orleans street walk. He turned around, he had no mom, and he knew he was in trouble. So he walked down to this old Cajun fisherman. He said, listen up, can I go to work in your boat? He's five years old. He knew it, he was in trouble. The man took him and raised my grandfather. My grandfather became a very hard, robust man. I'm the smallest one in my family. My grandpa had wore a size 15 ring. He had fingers this big. I mean, he had, to, he had such powerful hands, at, you know, from pulling shrimp nets. I mean, just, and I just idolized him. I mean, I, I just, I called him Papa. I said, Papa. I mean, and he loved oranges. And we used to live down in Venice, Louisiana, about 90 miles past New Orleans. My daddy was working for an oil company. And they'd have orange trees. He said, go up that tree and get me some oranges. Boy, and I'd just rip oranges out that tree, knock him in the head with them oranges. And he could just sit there and eat oranges. He just loved oranges. But he was so powerful, he picked me up by the seat of the pants and hold me at the top of the tree. And I was ripping oranges out. We were stealing them was what we was doing, but we was getting them. My grandpa wasn't saved. You got to understand he wasn't saved. And neither was his grandson, neither. I wasn't saved myself. And uh, I mean, I just loved him. I just idolized him. 
And we, my mother let us stay with them for a couple of days. They had some business they had to do. Now watch this. Keep your foot on the devil's neck. Watch this. How this happened? So he said, well, we're going to eat some chicken. He said, your grandma going to fry some chicken, boy, with some gravy. And I went, woo! Yeah, I like that, you know. He said, come on with me, Jesse. I want to show you something. So I walked right there, and he had the meanest chickens you ever saw. Them chickens were demon-possessed, every one of them. I hated them chickens. Because you get around that, haw, haw. I mean, they were like dogs. They attack you. I mean, they just come out and, and hit you with their toes. They spur you. How many people know what I'm talking about? I'm talking mean chickens, man. Demon-possessed chickens, you know. Raggedy-looking chickens. We went in there. And I said, I don't want them to bite me, boy. He said, stay behind me, boy. He weighed 260 pounds. He was a huge man. So I'm behind him like that. He said, now, Jesse, go shoot that chicken in the corner. I said, no, he's going to bite me. I, I don't, don't want to shoot that chicken. No. He said, come on, son. He said, boy, you part of my life. You got strength in your body. Now get over there and shoot that chicken. Now, I, I'm a little fast. I said, okay. Shoot, shoot. Shoot. Man, I, and I, for some miracle, I got that chicken in the corner. And my grandpa said, catch him. Oh, no, I didn't put my hand on the chuck. That was not in the deal. You just told him to shoot him in the corner, I'll shoot him in the corner. So my grandpa, when that chicken knew it, you could see it in that chicken's eyes. God, forgive me. Today, I'll meet you face to face with a Cajun chewing on my leg as I go to heaven, glory to God. To make a long story short, he grabbed that chicken. He said, go get me that hatchet. So man, I ran, I'm a little bit born. I'm about ready to see something I never saw in my life. Never. He said, I'm going to show you something, son. I said, what are you going to do? He said, watch this. And he laid that chicken down. He laid that chicken on the ground and he took that little, that little hatchet and he's looking at me and he got that little smile like, <laughs> I said, watch this, keep your foot on the devil's neck, watch it. And he raised, I said, what you gonna do, Papa? He said, just watch this. And boom, he comes down with that hatchet, but the chicken went, sucked his neck in, missed the chicken. He missed the chicken. So I looked at him, I said, Papa, you missed the chicken. He said, that's not something. I said, I'd pull my head in too. And he's looking at and smiling at me, man. But I'm still nervous to them chickens. Them other chickens going, They knew murder was in the camp. They knew murder was in the camp. But I didn't know I've been looking, bless God. So he picks that hatchet up again, lays that bird down like that. He said, watch it. Now, I'm a little fella about this big. He goes, watch it. And and that chicken went, just move. And he missed the chicken. I said, Papa, you missed him. He said, nah, I'm going to get his head. He took that big foot and he stuck it on that chicken's head. And he hold that by. That chicken went, oh, that's the last word that chicken ever said. I know what it meant. Father, forgive me, I've sinned. This is the only time I can confess. And he took that hatchet. Now, I'm a little boy. And he, he goes, wham, and he cuts that chicken's head off. Man, the blood spurts. I go, oh. And he looks at me, and he takes that dead chicken, and he throws it at me. I run, I go, oh! And everywhere I'm running, that chicken, just running after me. I mean, I run to this stuff. Here come that chicken, blood spurting out of his head. How many people saw that before? Everywhere you run, that dead chicken after me. I'm, I'm going, oh! Oh! Finally, I'm up against the fence going, oh! And my grandpa's laughing. He said, Jesse, that chicken's dead. I said, he don't know he's dead. He don't know he's dead. Look at him. And that chicken. Man, he got right up to me and just fell over. I looked at that chicken. I punted that chicken. Bam. That 
chicken was dead running. Let me tell you, the devil's head has been bruised. He's under your feet. Bless God, you can destroy everything the devil has. All he is is just a little chicken fluffing his wings. Keep your foot on the devil's neck. You'll never get his head till you put your foot on it. And the Bible said Satan's head's bruised. He's restricted. He's rejected. And he's defeated. How can anybody get depressed when your enemy is already defeated? Why can't you live by faith? Why can't you walk by grace? My Lord, it's, ladies and gentlemen, we just walk into the throne to get our trophy. It's already been done. I don't know why people struggle. It's already been done. Keep your foot on the devil's neck. It's fun being saved. But sometimes, and I close with this, God will put you in funny situations. I was in Denver and, and preaching. I went up to Montana and preached at a college in Montana. Uh, uh, Masula, Montana, I think is where I flew out of. And uh, I had to go to Salt Lake City, Utah, to Denver, Colorado, to Dallas, Texas, to New Orleans, Louisiana. And I want to go to all them places because I just want to go to New Orleans, but you got to go. So I said, okay, Lord. And so I took the trip and got to Salt Lake and we changed planes and got on that plane and flew to Denver. I hadn't been home in a while and I couldn't wait to get home. I, was, I said, man, I just want to go home. And I'm standing there and they're starting to load the plane up. And I like a, a, you know, a certain seat on the plane. I always try to get that. And I was just praising the Lord. And I said, boy, it's fun being said, Father, I just thank you, Lord. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I hear your word. I read your word. I flow in your anointing. The Lord said, Jesse, I don't want you to get on the plane. And I said, what? He said, there will be trouble on this plane. Don't get on it. Now, this is at Stapleton Airport in Denver. I said, trouble? He said, don't get on the plane. He said, take the next flight. I said, but, but, but Lord, I'd just like to kind of go home, you know? He said, don't get on the plane. Just a simple, I mean, just. So I went to the lady. I said, when is the next flight to I know you got to go to Dallas to New Orleans. She said, nine hours from now. And I said, God, I don't want to have to stand at the airport for nine hours. He said, you can preach for nine hours. There are a lot of sinners here. You can let your light so shine. Don't get on this plane. There's damage to come. I said, man, God, I tell you, what, can't you just heal it until I get off of it? You know, just fix it, huh? He said, I'm telling you, don't get on that plane. So I was kind of had about ready. He said, now, nah. he said, I want you to go tell that that ticket agent that there's problems on this plane. Tell him, don't load this plane, don't take off. I said, God, they're going to think I'm a fruitcake. God, if I go up there and tell them, God told me for y'all not to load this plane. I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy. But when you know the voice of God, you got to do what he said. So I fought it for a few minutes. And there's this guy smoking a big cigar and he chew on it, you know, kind of gross way he did it. But so I walked up and he was happened to be sitting real close to where the I said, ma'am, uh, I'm going to take the next flight out of here. Uh, I, I, wanna, I said, but the Lord told me to tell you that there's damage that's going to happen on this plane, so you might want to get another one. Don't fly this. She said, who told you? I said, the Lord. She said, the Lord who? I said, the Lord. God. Jesus. And she went. <laughs> <laughs> The first thing, oh, I said, lady, listen to what I'm saying. I said, if this plane takes off, we got problems. I said, I'm a man of the Lord. I know you think I'm a fruitcake. I know it sounds nuts, but don't fly this plane. 
She said, well, we're about ready to board. She calls it, you know how to do it. Get on, and this guy gets up from the seat in his cigar. And he goes, phew. I felt so stupid. I said, man, I did feel stupid. Lord, he said, you told him. I said, I told him, but look at them. Look, they all look at me, and people heard me. They begin to go on. And that just makes you mad. They loaded the plane. The devil said, nine hours, my man. Nine hours. Nine hours. I'm going to drive you nuts for nine hours. You know how your flesh just building on you, boy. Sure enough, man, they loaded the plane. They said, mister, are you getting on this plane? I said, don't leave this gate. I'm telling you, God said it. I want to go home more than anybody. I don't want to stay in here nine hours. God, there's something wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the plane, sir. Are you going to get on the plane or are you going to stay here? You're going to have to put you on standby. You may not make that flight nine hours from now. No. She said, fine. Close the gate. Boom, they closed the thing. So this was the old Stapleton. They're starting to build a new airport now. Got that glass up at the, you know, and I'm standing there feeling like an idiot. Devil said, bozo brain fool, you idiot. <laughs> I'm going, boy, you right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you idiot. Lord, man. Sure enough, they push that plane out with the, uh, that machine. Then they start putting on the engines and stuff. Zzz, you know, you see it. Bless God. And they got it all fixed. And they pulled it out like that. And it's going to taxi to go to the runway. Sure enough. So, man, after the engines are running, you hear it. Zzz, you know, he, he throttles it a little bit to start taxiing. And he, he, he starts to try, and I guess he goes maybe 25 feet, and she, the thing in the back just blows up. The, 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 this engine back there, something just, boo-doom, I mean, black smoke. I went, <laughs> yeah! I shouted. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I didn't mean to shout. I went, <laughs> look at that, it's working. But boy, they throwed that plane at smoke, man, and people come flying out of that chute. I mean, come out of there, man. I'm sitting there going, <laughs> Just enjoying myself that the plane almost blew up, you know, <laughs> which was wrong. I mean, something happened. I don't know what, because I don't know nothing about high engine, but I mean, smoke, blue people come flying out that plane. I mean, they slid down that thing and all that stuff. This was years ago. And uh, they brought him back up and they said, it's going to take two hours to get another plane out, but we'll have another plane out. And then they grabbed that thing and took it off. That old boy, they'll come back. Everybody was freaking out. And that old boy, boy, he lit a cigar. I just looked at him and smiled. Going up about two hours, two and a half hours later, they had another plane and they had it fixed and everything. They started boarding. And the Lord said, you can get on that one. So the old boy come up there with that cigar. He said, hey, Rev, is this one okay? <laughs> you know, God will honor you. He will honor you. He will, I'm saying that to say, it's fun being saved. He will honor you when the devil's making you think you're the biggest idiot in town. I said, yes, sir, it's okay. He said, what seat you got? I said, I got 10A. He said, I want 10B. I had to smell that old cigar man all the way to Dallas and New Orleans. It's fun being saved. You know why it's fun being saved? Because everywhere you go, and I close, God protects you. He protects you. He's got his angels in charge around you. He's not worried about it, so why should you? Think about that. He's walking in perfect faith, and he expects his people to walk in perfect faith. 